Enveloped by crashing waves and plummeting brand value, the NRL has played its last card in the pack. It has launched Rugby League Season 2019 as a new era, yet the game has extinction written all over it. Lurid sex tapes, Cameron Smith refusing to retire, the Roosters as premiers, it's truly sickening. But history tells us that Rugby League has always been able to crawl back out of the primordial slime of its own making if someone utters two magic words. Fire up and Shazam! And all would be right with the greatest game of all. Well, no longer. The game has been blasted back to the Stone Age and the two brontosauri that are Stephen Ferris and Chris Gale can't do anything about it. So welcome to New Fire Up, the new Coke of Rugby League Radio. Welcome to a Fire Up involving 33% less talk, 33% less music and 67% less comedy. Welcome to a Fire Up that has the go forward of the Adelaide Rams. Welcome to New Fire Up, the Jurassic Era. Every day the sun comes up Like the day before Every day I fill my cup Stand up straight and walk through the door Every day my mother's voice Talks to me Every day I make my choice What to do to be and every day I build my life on her sacrifice and every day I face my strife but I know It's the unmistakable voice there of Paul Kelly with uh, Dan Sultan, two fine voices, and a song that was specially commissioned for a film called The Final Quarter. Every day, my mother's voice. And uh, this is Fire Up, but we're taking a different tack today, at least for the first half. Uh, I've got two special guests. We've got uh, Yvonne Sampson, who is uh, the co-anchor for most of uh, what you see on Fox League, as well as uh, a couple of television shows that are separate to that as well, League Life and uh, Big League Rap. She's uh, here with us today. And Ian Darling, who is the director behind this film, The Final Quarter, of which this song uh, stems from. Good morning to both of you. How are you? Good morning. Ian, we're going to talk to you first up. Um, the film, we, Chris and I saw it yesterday, and uh, it is extraordinarily sad, and, it, and, it, and it, it's not surprising. I think that what, what we saw yesterday is something that we, we all know, but somehow the way you've put it together with just found audio, video, 
without what I, I mean, I can tell the story, but there's there's not a bias inherent in what you're trying to do except put forward the truth. Is that a fair summation? Yeah, I think that's the really powerful thing when you're dealing with archival footage is um, is you can get closer to the truth. It's the the first um, film I've made using this technique. Um, you know, I was very much influenced by films like uh, like Senna and and Amy, and uh, I, I thought in this instance. It was worth uh, worth uh, worth a crack at it. We never knew exactly what would come out of it, so we started looking at literally hundreds of hours of footage. And we what, st- what, what were you aiming for? Uh, in terms of length, or what were we looking for in terms of story? Content and story. Yeah, look, yeah. I, I was so disturbed by what happened over those three years of Adam Goods's you know final final years of his career, but I mm. didn't I didn't really understand it. I was so confused as to what was happening and how we as a nation literally booed this champion yes. out of the game. Out of the game, yeah. How could we do this? What was that what was that saying mm. about us? And and we all came up with every excuse. But I wanted to go back and um get as close to the truth as I could. And you know, I've made many films where I've interviewed lots of people and um I think you can If we could you made a film you, on Paul Kelly, um the I, the, Susie, the film? Uh, Susie and Simple Man, and yes. then uh, 10 years ago, uh, a film called The Oasis. The Oasis, with, yeah, which uh, is about the, the Crown Street. Uh, is it a, 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 a safe place for, for you know, Yeah, it was a homeless, homeless shelter, yeah. um, and uh, Sasha Engdrapstein and I uh, made that, and, and um, there's a follow-up, actually, at the Sydney Film Festival this year, 10 years Ten years later, Fantastic. on it called Life After the Oasis. But in all the, in all the films, and you know, in the Paul Kelly film, for example, we interviewed about fifty people. And whenever you're being interviewed, you're you're naturally thinking about what the documentary is going to be about and mm. how to answer it and and how to reveal yourself. Yeah. But when you're going back, not a single person was interviewed for this film, mm. and it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't part of, of of what they were thinking. So everyone reveals themselves in this film. Just by being themselves, and, and I think, yeah, interesting enough, Adam Goods doesn't really. Uh, it's not like you've actually said to him, "What do you think about this situation?" You, you you get a glimpse of what he's feeling and thinking, obviously. And his mother says a couple of lines, but essentially, he's he's nearly sort of the back the back end of the storyline in the sense that he doesn't sort of say, "This is what I hate. This is what I love. This is what it's done to me." But you know it, you feel it. Well, I think one of the things that jumped out when we started looking at all the footage is how much Adam actually spoke over that period, mm. both as a footballer, but also right in the middle of it, he was Australian of the Year. Mm. And he was he was out talking about Indigenous issues every week. Mm. And... Um, and as you say, he wasn't there saying stop booing or, yep. or you know, this is terrible. He was actually just with such dignity and grace mm. um, standing up, trying to, trying to gently educate us about Indigenous issues and history and yep. the power of listening. And in many ways, the more he spoke the more he started to get booed. I mean, you can in the film, you can mm. almost see a correlation that there was no there was no booing in 2013. Mm. It actually happened when he was appointed Australian of the Year. Well, Chris was seeing the film with me yesterday. Uh, Yvonne, you haven't seen the film, but you know you know enough about it to know the storyline. Uh, and, of course, you know his career. Uh, there are a couple of key moments, aren't there? Uh, obviously, there was the him pointing out the, the, the person who happened to be a 13-year-old girl. Of course, he was attacked for that, even though he defended and protected the girl as much as he could. And then, of course, there was the dance during, I think it was Indigenous Round was they call it Indigenous Round AFL? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Indigenous yeah. Round. Yeah, and uh, you know there was a, a, a very funny line that Charlie Pickering um, says. Some one of the commentators, and there's a lot. You cut to a lot of commentators to get their point of view, how they how they're all grappling, and they're not grappling with it very well. This whole scenario because they're obviously justifying themselves half the time, and and Eddie Maguire, of course, comes in for a, a lot of sort of I don't know, I guess um, co- confused points of views, um, and Charlie Pickering says. 
somebody says, well, we want this to be explained to us so we know what he's going to do because the Indigenous realm, if he told us he was going to do a tribal dance, then at least we would know how to celebrate that. And Charlie Pickering goes, well, he is Indigenous. He's wearing a, a jumper made by his mother, which is definitely Indigenous. The football is designed in, in an Indigenous fashion and it's Indigenous week. What more do you need to say? You know? No, I think that's right. And, and in many ways, it was a, a metaphor for a, a larger issue in Australia that when something's presented to us that we don't understand, yeah. um, we put our back up and we get defensive. Yeah. And and we comment without without actually making a decision and uh, uh, making an informed decision and, and trying to trying to learn and so I think the war dance was a bit like you know when uh, when the uh, the First Nations people uh, presented the Uluru statement from the heart mm. to the government the government suddenly said oh I don't know how to deal with this mm. they got their back up and and they got defensive and they said no it was one of the greatest gifts and and Adam's war dance again was just such a generous gift mm. during Indigenous round to mm. celebrate his culture and that's mm. what Indigenous round is all about yeah. about celebrating Indigenous culture and you know Indigenous players represent over 10% of the of the AFL yeah. it's it's probably even greater in in uh, in it is, yeah. We're yeah. about 12% in the NRL, and it's quite extraordinary given there's about oh, less than 3% in the Australian population that identify as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander. Ian, you mentioned this documentary is about just getting closer to the truth. You've been in the box seat to be able to hear the rhetoric around not just Adam Goods, but the tone of conversation, the language that we're using when we talk about Indigenous issues. What is the truth when it comes to Australia's attitude towards our Indigenous people? Um, I think as non-Indigenous people, we're, we, we're too quick to, to judge and, and we don't listen. And I think this is one of the great lessons out of this film, that had we listened to Adam, none of this controversy, controversy would have actually happened. I mean, he, the way he, he explained the situation with the 13-year-old girl and went to great lengths to, mm. to say, look, don't go after her. It's not her fault. Mm. Um, you know, it's an issue that, that needs to be addressed, but it's not her fault. You know, mm. did that at length. When he, when he was made Australian of the Year, again, suddenly everyone jumped at him talking about it being Invasion Day. Well, he was, he was asked that by every journalist. And again, he, he spoke about the positives mm. and acknowledging, yes, it is a day of, of, that's, you know, a great, a great difficulty for Indigenous people, but he wanted to celebrate the positives and celebrate the 40,000 plus years of incredible history. And then with the war dance, you know, rather than being divisive and aggressive, it was a celebration. And by the end of the film, and I went into it with very open eyes, um, it's very difficult to come to any other conclusion that, you know, at the end of the day, this actually is what racism looks like. Mm. And it's you, what it sounds there's like. There's a lot of the use uh, of the term casual racism in yeah. the film, which is an unusual term, isn't it? There's a looseness about racism in our country. And, and Vaughn, if I could ask you, you know, um, you have direct contact with, with a lot of the Indigenous football players. We, we see Adam Goods and the likes of Greg Inglis and, and, and James Roberts, etc., sportsmen at the top of their game. We assume they're strong, fit men at the, at the peak of their abilities, but really they're hurting inside, aren't they? And it's a, I think it's particular to the indigenous, our Indigenous population that racism has a different and more compounded effect than, say, if you're of Chinese background here or Lebanese background or whatever, because it's, it's compounded from centuries of, of pain, dispossession, suffering, etc., etc. And there's just a, a lack of acknowledgement and respect that goes along. And, and when you get, say, Greg Inglis is a great example. Mm. For the NRL, um, all of a sudden... You're expected to be a leader. You're expected to have a voice and represent your community. And not often is that the most comfortable thing for young Indigenous men to do who have a, a sense of displacement. They're, they're still struggling with their sense of self. They've been, you know, their backgrounds perhaps taken away from their families at a very mm. early age and jettisoned into an NRL environment 
Um, Expect to be role models. That's right. And they they lose that connection to country. They lose that connection to community. And so therefore they're struggling with their own identity themselves. And yet they're supposed to stand up and be, you know, very proud and and, and represent their entire community and be a spokesperson. And I know Greg really struggled with that for a long time. Jonathan Thurston's another example. Mm. He didn't really know because there's a lot of sense of shame and um, especially from the elders, you know, move on. Let's not talk about our heritage. And so they actually don't know a lot about their Mm. own Heritage you were telling me off air about your experience that there is this sometimes um, a disconnect or an ignorance about your background as well. Yeah, well, I'm adopted from mm. Townsville, and so I, I never really knew a lot about my birth family. And it mm. wasn't until a couple of years ago when my birth father called me on Boxing Day and he said, You know, I, I, I always thought that his mum, so my birth grandmother, had right. died, but she hadn't. He wow. was taken away from her in Charters Towers because she was right. a young Indigenous woman mm. who had a baby to, you know, one of the, the white Australians in the town and she yeah. was deemed not fit enough to raise that baby. So he grew up never knowing his mother and she grew up thinking that her baby had died. She took her baby to hospital and they told her that the baby had died. She never got a death certificate or anything Jeez. like that. So, I mean, and that's not even that long ago. This was yeah. in the 70s or mm. 60s, mm. you know. So, And you would never think that um, stolen generation would come knocking at your door. Um, but, it, I mean, it still happens. And because wow. there's so much trauma that has happened to our Indigenous and population, they, they, they want to move on. And so they don't talk about the atrocities, the genocide, everything that's happened in our mm. Australian culture. And Jonathan Thurston didn't understand any of that until he went to the Indigenous All-Stars camp and they said, go back, talk to your families, understand where you're from. Mm. And so from there, they get that sense of self and that sense of pride and that sense of respect from where they're from and where they're headed. Wow. And in your filming, I think Stan Grant is the person that sums it up most succinctly. He says, you know, walk walk in those shoes, you know, and the way he expresses what really Adam Goods is probably going through far better than Adam said in this particular documentary. Yeah, I think that that's right. He uh, he he uh, has a number of key points that really hit home in the film and mm-hmm. and it, it was very much, you know, considerate from from an indigenous perspective and and it's very difficult to even say whether or not the booing was racially motivated if you've actually never been at the receiving end of it. Mm. And if 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 Adams there saying it hurts, it's hurting me. Mm. You know, stop. That's enough. Who who are we to judge that whether yeah. or not it's yeah. uh, it's indig- it, 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 it's 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 racially motivated? I mean that that should that should absolutely be all that's needed. Whether it's on the football field, whether it's in the school classroom, if someone's saying saying you know yeah. those words are really powerful, mm. Um, mm. you know Don't. We, we at least love, uh, yeah owe it to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the interesting thing you were saying there, everyone about the move on. I think that's reflected in Adam Goods in the movie and he said, you know, I really wasn't aware of a lot of this and, you know, the movie charts the incident with the girl. He becomes Australian of the Year and I think he takes up the, his cause with, you know, bravery and immense vigour. But there's a turning point in the movie which is the incident you're referring to in the Indigenous round where he does the war dance which the under-16 kiddies had taught him at the Carlton <laughs> game and then it just got relentless and it wears him down so at the end of that season, he retires and, you know, famously doesn't appear at the grand final. That's that we're now three to four years on. He's seen the movie? Yeah, he has. Yeah. We, uh, we, um, it, I'll just go back a bit because it was the, the most important thing to me was that Adam was okay about us making the film. Yep. Um, that we approached him in 2015 and the time wasn't right. But it never left me, this story. I just, mm. I just couldn't believe that, that we'd just let this you know, incredible Australian mm. leave the game like this. And it, it was too difficult to then talk about. 
So, so the whole thing was just swept away and, and, and we weren't prepared to have that conversation. So it never left me. Mm. So at the end of 2017, I approached him again. We'd been working on it. Sally Fryer, my editor, and I, we'd been doing hours in the edit suite going through the material. We actually thought, no, there's something really powerful here. So we approached Adam, and the very first question was, again, are you ready for this? Because the last thing I wanted to do was cause him any more pain by doing this, and, and he actually was, and he gave us incredible support and, mm. and blessing to go ahead. So then when we, uh, when we shared the film with him uh, in December last year, which was the, the sort of final cut, it was a really, really difficult screening. You were in the room with him? Um, he wanted to watch it by himself. I bet he did, But yeah. then, yeah. then um, uh, Sally and I came in, and we just spoke for you know about an hour and uh, a lot of it was in silence and it was just so so difficult for him to watch and it brought up so many I can't imagine being that, that situation yeah. yeah and and I felt really uncomfortable even sharing it with him mm. but um, I'd, I'd shown it to uh, Mickey O'Loughlin and Tanya Hosh and Karen Mundine before and they said no this is something you know Adam yeah. Is, is ready to see. since you've had incredible impact because I think it's going to the schools at some level. Tell us about that. And also you've played it to all the AFL heads and body and, and club coaches or club ownership. Yeah. All taken. So, so we thought it was really important to, to bring the AFL alongside what we're wanting to do because this actually happened in the arena, in, yep. their, in, their, turf. in, in their turf. It yep. happened on and their watch, can I say. Yeah, and and yeah, as yeah. in the rugby league community, we were devastated that that was happening. And yeah. it made us look at ourselves. And look, I'm the first to say the NRL has its own set of issues. And, and um, you know, Karen Davis, who works for the UN, she's on the ARL commission. She's undergoing a, a cultural review. And she called what the rugby league's going through a, a, a cultural reckoning. However, the rugby league's attitude towards... Indigenous people involved, whether it be players or, mm. you know, in the broader scope, we were devastated. We would never think that we would ever boo an Arthur Beetson or a Greg Inglis or, or, or yeah. any of our Indigenous stars. It was just, it was so far beyond anything that we ever could have understood. Yeah, and, and, and Do you know why? Do you have a good theory on that? Respect, I think. I think mm. the tone, I think... Um, and look, I, I don't... I'm not here to say rugby league doesn't have... Uh, We've got a lot of issues. issues. Yeah, I know, and it does. It has, yeah, for God, yeah. But I think for us, it was able. We were able to hold up a mirror and say, yeah. at least for that, mm. that is that is something yeah. devastating for yeah. us to see. It was systemic and sustained. That was yeah, the thing. It was, and and I think um, you know the institutional response by the AFL was totally inadequate. The thing which I found really pleasing is when I. Um, First raised it with uh, with Gil McLaughlin, who's the CEO, and, mm-hmm. and Tanya Hosh, who's the um, the executive of uh, of, of inclusion. There, um, Tanya had been working. She, she wasn't there at the time at the AFL, and she'd been working very hard on on trying to bring in a whole lot of new measures. So when I went in and said I'm making this, there was no sense of defensiveness at all. Yeah. There was, we're actually ready for this, and we know we stuffed up, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I think we've got a second chance at it. And it was really difficult for them to watch. Mm. Um, you know, the AFL does not come off well, but they've had a, so far a really honest response. Yeah. So one of the things we wanted to do was was bring the AFL along um, with it. And we were invited by Tanya to share it um, at the Indigenous All-Stars camp in February. Mm-hmm. And that was just such an honour to be able to share it with literally all of the current players in the league. Wow. And to get their response. And I was I was terrified because I didn't want it to be something again that could potentially be disempowering, but it was such a positive moment and to hear them collectively saying, No, this is a this is a line in the sand and and we've all got to do things differently which you know 
it, it wasn't it wasn't it shouldn't necessarily have been the players yeah. um, you know to resolve it but and as you say it is not it's not it's not a sport issue it's it's an Australian racism issue and, and I think towards indigenous people and I think that's where sport can be such a great way for us to actually look at ourselves mm. and uh, and and it, it provides so many of the, of the of the answers of what's happening in the wider community but it it does enable us to have these really difficult conversations you know it is difficult to talk about racism and it is uncomfortable to see I mean I don't know how you both felt when you were watching the film but I'm sure you almost wanted to get out of there at times oh. and you couldn't avoid it and that's what I'm wanting to do with this film is ensure that we don't run away from the mm. conversation because mm. the longer we do the more we'll be in denial yeah. and the more damage I, will, I, I will, think will be done watching it's confusing on one level is that, that there's the issue and then there's the pain you feel for Adam Goods and you sort of the two are sort of mixed together and that's the power I think of the film what about the those that were defending the, the other side have you had any response from Alan Jones Miranda Devine Sam Newman, um, the list goes on. Bolt, well, I mean, Andrew Bolt, you know. I think talking about difficult to watch, first of all, it was doubly difficult for Stephen because we talk about matters of appropriation. The arrival of South Melbourne in the <laughs> 80s and the appropriation of the red and white colours, he's never got over that. The Swans irritates him consistently, so he's having to watch the broad theme of the movie, plus it's just drenched in red and white. <laughs> oh, I was part of the Keep South at South campaign back, back in the 70s, so uh, you know, I, was, I was on your side, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When they first came to town, there was Jeffrey Edelson who had, in Broadway, a surgery which had a grand piano that Liberace would have been comfortable with, a mirror ball, shiny surfaces, and we thought, swans, this, no one's going to take them seriously. I used to fake illnesses so, so I could go to that clinic. <laughs> but in ter- one of the, I think the beauties of the movies is that um, whilst it has a point of view, it doesn't judge. And so if you want to look at the alternative opinions, they're certainly canvassed. But I was, as you saw the likes of Bolt, who at least will engage with people in the movie uh, point of view, Alan Jones wouldn't even, from what I can gather, wouldn't allow his voice to be used in the movie. But I had the picture of the Simpsons uh, Republican Party meeting with Dr. Hibbert, Mr. Burns, Rainier Woolcastle, the Texan oil baron and Dracula. You get that in this movie. And, and like Sam Newman, and gee, I miss him on TV. Um, he's like, he's brought in as the AFL consultant to that particular group. And there is that key moment where he talks about why doesn't he get a day? Yeah, white Anglo Saxon Protestant heterosexual male. Where's my day? <laughs> well, I think that the thing is, all, all of that's out there on, in the open. It's all yeah. on public record, it's, yeah. all, it's all on YouTube. And, uh, and I think, you know, that was what I really wanted to do is, is give, give everyone the voice that they had just to show how that conversation happened and, and where where truth and our more recent history may have been distorted. And, and that's why I wanted to... Mm. Yeah. And it covers so many issues where people will come up with a sort of a point of view that's logic-based. So in the height of it, uh, where every week um, they're booing goods, the position would be, there are 78 other Indigenous players, why aren't they booing them? Therefore, it's not because of that issue. Yeah. And there's something very seductive about that logic. And in, in, it most interestingly played out to me in the movie where the, the you know, as you'd have Yvonne on, on Fox League, the ex-footy players, and they're kind of torn. I mean, I think we were talking before off-air about Nathan Buckley, and he goes, well, why can't they focus on what was great about Adam rather than this? And it's uh, Mark Robinson, who sort of almost is a heroic figure in this movie, saying he needs our help, he needs our support. It has to be talked about. And um, that's what I think is so compelling about the movie. And I would have said this is a compulsory schools text, but it's already going to the kiddies. So yeah, so it's it's uh, it, it, it's uh, yeah being donated to every school um, with incredible um, uptake. 
well, no, it hasn't hasn't been released yet. Okay. That, it, that it will, but with with incredible curriculum resources. But right. but just coming back on that on that point, you know, I think it, in in a twenty four hour um, uh, news cycle, you know, there's so much commentary, yeah. and and sports commentators are being called on to answer questions on things that aren't necessarily part of part of their brief and when when suddenly racism comes up you could see just how difficult it yeah. was mm. and you know I, I i i felt for them but you know i think what we've got to do looking forward is where where was the diversity on all these panels why why weren't there indigenous voices on those panels even in indigenous round but you know if if there was if there was an indigenous person there um when they were being critical of the war dance it just would have instantly gone away going no this is a celebration this is this is what Adam's doing. He's he's learnt it from the under sixteen year old, you know, bombers. Yeah. You know, given the whole thing context, yeah. and and I think that would be you know really powerful for the non indigenous commentators. But it would it would just lead to a much more um, real conversation where we wouldn't get into these clumsy discussions that cause great harm. Because again, coming back to the you know one of the original intents is I wanted to show the power of words in this, mm. and you can't escape them. And uh, you know that people are are, are, are are very loose with words, and that's where we get this casual racism or the unconscious bias. But the damage done mm. by these words is is quite profound. Yes, yeah. Wow, Ian! The film uh, premieres at the Sydney Film Festival next Friday night. Next Friday, it's and got a second a, screening. We've actually got five screenings. Five screenings. So, yeah. um, so we've got the the state on Friday night, and mm. then Kashula. Yes. Uh, on Saturday, the powerhouse. Then, the, yeah, Kashula yeah. powerhouse, and then. State again on Sunday, and right. then there's another one in the city on Tuesday, and then at, at uh, Entertainment Quarter the following Saturday. Fantastic. So uh, we're really excited about that. Ian Darling, thank you very much for coming in and talking about it. Um, you explained it so much better than we did. Um, I get choked well, up. Well, he made the movie. He made the movie. I, know, I get choked up talking about it. You know what I mean? Um, it's powerful. The final quarter um, about the, the well, the, the ending of the career of Adam Woods. Um, when it comes out, I recommend everybody go and see it. And we'll come back with Fire Up um, with Yvonne to talk um, some silly shit. <laughs> Thank you, Ian. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks Chris. Thanks. Fire it up! Thank you, everybody. All right, who, who wants ice cream? Come get it. Think about loveless fascination under the Milky Way tonight. Lower the curtain down on. Time. 
A savage and bloodthirsty struggle for survival has eradicated the weak and preserved the predator. After three billion years, evolution has produced two of the natural world's true survivors. Now, these specimens of intelligent Darwinism will do battle for supremacy of the species in the cockroach versus the cane toad. Ribbon. Yes, it's that time of the year again, Chris. Uh, Vaughn, it is, uh, it's a battle of states, it's a battle of mates, all that sort of, you know, usual cliched stuff, and the hate's developing, but it's, it's Kevy versus the space cowboy, Fitler, <laughs> and it's a little bit about, uh, how they mentor, how they manage their, their men, and who's behind them, who's whispering in their ear, who's manipulating, who's giving advice. Uh, let's break down the teams, uh, let's go to the blues first, Chris, who's behind the, uh, Freddie Fitler camp? Well, you've got the Brains Trust, Stephen, and of course we're talking about Brandy Alexander and Bedsy. Doesn't get any better. Yeah, and, and, and who knows what variation of the skivvy they'll have this year. You know, they all look like Don Johnson. It's amazing. Well, they pea jackets or something, they yes. call them. I, I went online to try and order a pea jacket, and here I am in a black T-shirt. But, <laughs> but look, um, Freddie's... Can I say he's done some conventional stuff this year for him? Yoga, Yoga earthing, yeah, yeah. you know, and I think you've got a political view about him depleting our rare minerals. Uh, well, supply. you might have heard recently the Chinese with the tariffs and the world trade war that's happening. The Chinese have got one trump card. They've got an ace, and that is the rare mineral... 88%, I think it is, of the Earth's quantity, and they're threatening to withhold those rare minerals. And, of course, what will Freddie do without them? Well, and, and if we go into a supply crisis yes. and they're all up in the feet of the New South Wales players, <laughs> you know, no phones for us. No. Which, of course, is his grand plan, isn't it? Because he's always banning mobile phones. Yes, yes. So in, now they've been walking hands across the beach. Uh, how does that work, Chris? Is that like it's an emu not bomb? complicated, Stephen. <laughs> well, I think Brian Fletcher suggested last night on Matty John's show that they're searching for hypodermic needles. But uh, you basically all, in a row, link yeah. hands and, right. and walk on the beach. It's right. not complicated. But he's up the game. Uh, he's brought in a breath whisperer. A breath whisperer. Nam Baldwin... Yvonne, you'd know him, the the breathing coach. I the mean, breathe. It's yeah. all about oxygen. It's all about calming. There's yeah. a there's a big science behind it. Obviously, yeah. you see the warriors. They engage in this sort of okay. breathing behaviour after they score a try, after they have a try scored on them, and it's about increasing the oxygen oh. into your brain. And I, there I was thinking they were praying. It's no, just about breathing. No, breathing. it's about breathing. And Can't any idiot breathe? Well, Chris? Well, it's, it can get complicated at times, Can Stephen. it? Yes. You know, I've been on oxygen myself in recent times, <laughs> as you know. But uh, this was originally broken, I think, was it a camp at Armadale they went to? And they were, you know, how long could you uh, hold your breath at the bottom of the pool? But yes. that wasn't the point. Though Freddie pointed out he could hold his breath the longest. Yes. And did he? Yes, he did. Yeah. But, but the word is, as the Blues approach Suncor Stadium, a.k.a. Lang Park, yes. either Nam will be at the front of the bus, yes. taking them through a five-minute breathing routine to deal with the issues of fight, flight and freeze, none of which sound good, <laughs> or he highlighted it could be a tape. And that'll be something to do with his hourly rate right. and whether the Blues are prepared to cough up to have Nam there in person at the time. What's his hourly rate? Well, we've got a benchmark. Yes. I don't know what it is. Okay. Who is that, Chris? Who is that man walking into the room? I have no idea, Stephen. I don't know what you're playing at there. I know there are rumours that Kevy has hired at a very, very reasonable of rate of $5,500 an hour, right, okay. which is your five grand plus GST. I was going to say plus GST. Yeah, yes, thank right. you, John Howard. Yes. Mandrake the magician. To work with a friend of the show, 
Bradley Charles Stubbs, the coach. Oh, Bradley whisperer. Charles Stubb. But I'm the first. To, I'm I'm the first to point out that Bradley's been approached repeatedly by the media this week, yeah, right. and I'm not saying that I've spoken to him. I'm not yeah. saying that. No, yeah. He's not saying that he actually, even though he has been seen on LinkedIn with Kevy, <laughs> he's actually doing the work. Mm-hmm. I'm simply saying, Queensland three 0 Right. <gasps> he's already predicted that. Is that correct, Chris? You don't know. He doesn't predict, Stevie. You, you don't seem to understand, it, do you? Well, how do I know that? How do Does I know he's already predicted? Does he see through time? Is this what's happening? No, if 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 if, if. Kevy has worked with the mm. coach whisperer, and I Which simply he has. I run the names Maguire, mm-hmm. um, Robinson, yeah. Checker, yeah. Arnold, yeah. the Pakistan women's cricket yeah. team. Yeah. Uh, uh, you expect to win, and it will be done, done, done. Three up, three down, Queensland. Say that again. Expect to expect win. Expect to win. Done, 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 done. But you might hear similar words from the great Queensland coach himself. Right, OK. Let's listen. Queensland coach Kevin Walters is all fired up. I'm really excited about the, the team we have picked. Kalen Ponga, well, so we got him back at fullback now. I mean, how exciting is that for all Queenslanders, that he's now going to be playing in the position that he's accustomed to and ready for? Wow. Um, Cameron Munster, wow. What about him, DCE? Ben Hunt. Oh, keep, I keep talking about great, but look, I just get so excited when I look through. It's it's bloody exciting. Um, wow. Yeah, wow. Well, that's not the Kevy I know. Dour old Kevy. No, Kevy is kooky at his kooky best uh, during Origin. And Kevy, um, obviously, we are lucky enough to work with him at Fox League. And mm. Kevy actually said, look, Kevy's quite a little emotional um, little character. Being and and we do love Kevy yeah. so much. And he said to... To us, before this season, this series started, he said, I feel in a better space. Oh. I feel like I'm emotionally more prepared. Yes. Because I know we all think that Ricky Stewart rides the highs and the lows and the pantomime yeah. that yeah. goes on, you know, that a coach, the the emotional gauntlet. But, but Kevin Walters is right up there in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, the tears and the joy and the ecstasy and the heartbreak. And on that, so you've got Kooky Kevin, you've got mm-hmm. the Space Cowboy over this side, mm-hmm. the Blues. and The then Fred Ache. The, yeah. Giving everyone a Fred Ache. A Fred Ache. Yes. And then in the middle... Wayne Bennett. Right. Well, I think we've got to come to Wayne. But, I, I, but uh, Wayne sort of sits astride or above that narrative because he he's sure moved does. on. Yes. He's gone from a, a less important thing like Origin to a more important thing like the Rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> but, Vaughn, you, you, you're Queensland aligned. Yes. I think it's fair to say. Oh, yes, very much so. Um, when you hear Cameron Munster, you go, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you go, wow, when you hear DCE? No. Right. And that's okay. Because he's your captain, though. Well, he is. And it's going to take... It, it will be an adjustment period because let me just paint this picture for you. As a very proud Queenslander, we have had the likes of Beetson, Lewis, Lockyer, Langer, Vorton, Gilmeister, regrettably. He hated being captain. And you're but, telling me DC doesn't fit that? Well... <clears throat> It's in the, in the in the Coliseum of great leaders that uh, the Maroons have had. I mean, DCE does not fit the yeah. brief. I can't wait to see the statue though at Lang Park. Ah, yes. What I do know. they do with that head and that neck? But It'd be very to interesting. Be, to be fair, yeah. to be fair, DCE has done it tough. He was sure. He was extradited out of origin. No one liked him. No one wanted to play with him. He's never going to be and a Queenslander. And do I have to remind again. us that we were just talking about racism and just singling people out for their differences? Yes. He's a little different. He was a he little different. He hasn't been loved. He's been taunted all his life. Yep. He's been targeted, well, denigrated. Yeah. But he was the best player on the field in Game 3 last year. There you go. Dead rubber. Unbelievable. And, <laughs> he had to go through the pain of putting a house on the market from the Gold Coast in a flat housing yes, environment. Yes, yeah, the best backflip ever. But, but I would. there was a lot of talk about... Um, rookie campaign manager for the coalition, Andrew Hurst. 
I'm assuming that DC's appointed him as well because if that guy could turn Scott Morrison into Prime <laughs> yes. Minister, yes. he's the only guy who could have could, could, turned Daly Cherry Evans into Queensland captain. Not the coach whisperer? No, no, that's, yeah. that's different. It's, you, you, again, Stephen. Yes, I misunderstand. The label is coach whisperer. Yes. Okay? You know, so, you know, understand what the man does. Right. Expect Give to him win. a break. It, done, done, done. Done, done. Yes. <laughs> Daly Cherry uh, uh, Evans is does, not a coach. Does he have one of those wheels, those hypno wheels? That, no, he yeah, doesn't, look, in, look into my eyes, no. he says. No, he doesn't. Well, he, that, thank Christ I didn't look in. Yeah. He may yeah. have. Bradley, if you're out there listening, and I'm, I'm sure you probably you, are. I'm worried about you. Look, I, 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 can I go again? Mm. Madge Maguire, 2014 premieres, no fingers cut off. Yeah. Trent Robinson, who, let's face it, last year was different. Yeah, sure. He was a little bit more eyes up front, you know, front door <laughs> footy. He, was, he wasn't the Renaissance man. He wasn't yeah. speaking in French. Mm. That is the work. Yeah. Of Bradley Charles Stubbs. Bradley has not gone on record, and I'm not saying I've spoken to him. No. He's not In gone Fiji. on record and says that he's actually part of this deal. Um, is it Mr. Hutcher, I think the QRL? Yes, Bruce. Yeah, he, he seems to think that five and a half grand an hour is... A little um, steep. Michael mm. Lucking crazy, I think. I think is. so, <laughs> yes. Well, but it's interesting because we did a bit what of research. What could you get for five and a half thousand well, you per hour? You wouldn't get Charlie Teo. No. But you wouldn't get a QC. No. But you'd well, get Charles Bradley and you'd probably get a good doctor or a, good, a bloody good dentist. According to Charlie Taylor, you might get him for about Close five grand. Eight, yeah. But, but I went on the internet because it's it's an information source apparently. Is that and, right? And there's advice as to how to get $100 an hour, an Ooh, hour job. Okay. Be a doctor. Mm hmm. Become a CEO of a large company oh. or manage other people's money. <laughs> right. So. Or mismanage. Yeah. I assume of that subset. Of people getting a hundred dollars an hour, <laughs> some of those people get five grand an hour. Wow! Yeah, and, uh, and, and good work and, if you can get it. Yeah, and I'm sure Bradley wouldn't. And look, and there are many to go into there dollar many, issues. There are many tactics, aren't there, Chris? Around this time of the year, Fletch and Hindy, what are they up to? Uh, well, they're not in the bubble anymore, are they? No, they're not. I no. went and visited them in the bubble. Did you? Yeah, after a Super Saturday, I went in just for a bit of a welfare check. They did check. wash, didn't they? You know what? It didn't smell that bad. That was, that, bad. Uh, that was Saturday night. That's part so of the shtick, wasn't it? That yeah, they didn't wash. they actually weren't that yeah, bad. Yeah. I think there were a, a couple of little breakouts. Fletch yeah. was found at Honeybees, the strip joint, yeah. about 100 metres up the road. right? Um, one of Hindy's old drunk mates uh, did crash into the bubble. Yeah, there was yeah. an intruder, wasn't Like there? a proper intruder, and wow. he wouldn't get out. And then the police came in, and then the bubble started to deflate because the police <laughs> didn't shut the door and yeah, seal up the yeah. bubble probably. Airlock, style, yeah. Yeah, airlock that's right. Um, but you know what? I actually thought that they went through an emotional gauntlet and, and I was concerned for them a little bit. But you know, Vonnie, in this day and age, don't sit with your legs open. Oh, the manspread. Manspread. Yeah. Don't do that, please, mm. boys. But they've revived or they've re resurrected 2005 and the fire up... Uh, Backstory, haven't they, Chris? Well, they have, I think. It was an instructional video for all the New South Wales rookies. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, should we just play a song and come back? Sure. What do you reckon? How about a song, uh, Mr. Magic over there? It ain't no good getting low down when you're looking to get thrown in a can. Like driving 90 mile an hour, getting speeding tickets from the man. I'm just mad about this girl But she's gone and I'm mad at the world I just laid a patch of rubber down the road About a quarter mile long Cause I'm all fired up I'm all fired up and lonesome I got a chip on my shoulder I'm acting just a little too tough I've been revving up the motor And tonight I'm gonna strut my stuff yeah, I've been roaring like a lion And I'm tired of all this crying And I'm tired of being kicked around 
like a little hook butt Because I'm all fired up I'm all fired up and lonesome I'm fired up and lonesome And I'm on a spree That woman ain't gonna get the best of me If you're gonna hang around Then I'm gotta warn you No telling what a lonesome fool can do I'm getting all dressed up But I got no place to go But I know a thing or two about riding down a long, lonesome road well, I'm just doing the best I can And I'm trying to take my legging like a man But I'm tired of always feeling like I'm gonna be her sitting duck I'm getting all fired up I'm all fired up and lonesome Yeah, I'm getting all fired Feeling my wild oats Gonna take me a little sightseeing trip And now, it's time for the latest instalment of the life and times of Gus Gould Found Spotify oh. <laughs> Welcome to the real world so, because you love your tunes, I love it. Yeah, it is. It's a gold mine. I did my first playlist the other day. Right. Yeah. What do you got on there? I started a sneak with peek. Nineties acoustic, which is a bit modern for me. Mm-hmm. But... And that was the latest instalment of the life and times of Gus Gould. Anyway, we're all fired up. Let's go. Indeed, we are. We're all fired up. Let's go. Uh... Yvonne Sampson, Chris Gale, myself, Stephen Ferris. This is Fire Up. We uh, started with some very serious topics uh, with the final quarter. The, the film about Adam Goods will be at the festival next Friday night and then onwards into the public arena. But now we're into the silly stuff. Chris, Wayne Bennett. Look, Stephen, we've identified a couple of things on this show. The Rugby League is a game built on hate. That's, I mean, that's established. And can text. I say disappointment? Yeah. <laughs> can I? With, with, with 78 players on the sidelines currently leaving Origin out of it, it's also a game... of them Dragons players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. it's a game built on pain. <laughs> but it's also a game built on lying. Yes. Um, the news this week that uh, Jimmy the Jet uh, mm. has been cleared for landing at Mascot Airport in order to assume centre three-quarter duties for the South Sydney Rabbitohs mm-hmm. uh, was accompanied with some very, very poignant words from his new coach and mentor, dare I say, Wayne Bennett. He says, I can fix James. I can fix James. And and when quite rightly asked by the media, and Bonnie, you're part of that media, how can you fix him? Because He goes, because James trusts me Just- and I trust James. Let's just hear how much we can trust Wayne Bennett. We haven't approached him and um, James won't be coming to South Sydney. This year? This year, that's exactly right. And, and next year. Wayne said that. Talk about your Machiavellis. Um, first of all... Can Michael, I quote him one more time? Yes, please. I don't hope. I know he'll get back to his best. There's no doubt in my mind. How, he says. The one thing James needs is trust. He trusts me and I trust him. The way to get the best football out of James is by trusting him. Simple as that. You trust him, he will perform. Do we trust Wayne? No. No! <laughs> what? So if Wayne Bennett was going to fix James Roberts, how come he wasn't able to do it in Brisbane? And can I just say, Paul White, who's the CEO of the Broncos, yes. Paul, obviously in a former life, was a senior sergeant all through regional Queensland. He As understands, was Wayne, wasn't he? Well, yes, but... Paul was a real one. Um, (laughs) And he understands, and this goes back to our Indigenous issues. Like, James has a lot of entrenched um, issues with his family, with his his sense of identity, um, healthy decision-making. So Paul reached out to 
um, one of the elders that he worked with out at Mount Isa. He said, can you please come down and live with James? Because James has never had a traditional family set up. Mm. He didn't even know how to make dinner. He doesn't know how to be you know, a role model for his kids, wow. you know, all like basic yes, stuff, yes. right? So this is, these are the support networks and the extent that the Broncos went to to make sure that James Roberts is on mm. a healthy path. Mm. Then old Clint Eastwood swaggers he in swaggers and goes, in. oh, I can fix him. Well, you know what? You know what? Let, Wayne, let's get real. You just wanted to get a replacement for GI. Yeah. That's what this but is about. I've also heard that Wayne is a very good cook. He's got a spare bedroom. <laughs> He's a good man manager. We know that. Or needs a Darius. Or damaged goods manager. Is Dale making up the spare room? Is he going to move in with Wayne? I, I believe so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. By the way, when you mentioned being able to make dinner and being a good Roast role model dinners, for your kids, I, I've found I've got more in common with James yes. Roberts than I imagine. <laughs> but yeah, look. The, 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 but let's face it, and I mean, we fear South Sydney being successful. That's one of the things <sighs> that gets us out of bed in the morning. If he wins this comp, which he probably will. I mean. He will be joining Mary McKillop as Australia's next son. It, yes. it's, it's, it's like he'll be beatified. I mean, because the narrative will have the biggest exclamation mark in rugby league history. It scares me, Stephen. Yep. It scares me of mine. And what's his take on Kevy and uh, Kevy's nonsense with the coach whisperer? I've never Expect heard of him. Expect to win. Never, never heard of him. Never, never heard of him. You know, because let's face it, 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 this is an expression that I've actually invented, trademarked and patented. Wayne, he's old school. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Uh, we call him Fagan, though, don't we? Yeah, there's a bit of a Ron Moody from Oliver yes. twist about the Eiffel Dodger used to be Darius, Darius and, and now it's Jimmy, Jimmy the Jim. Yeah, oh, I yeah. love that. And then, yes. of course, you know, if Latrell said to come across the uh, south, he'd go, "Please, sir, I want some more." What I'm getting <laughs> from the Roosters, though, he says, "I'm not going to South. I'm happy here right now." I didn't think it was the definitive rejection of the possibility of going to Redfern ultimately for Latrell, mm. and that's what I like about this because mm. uh, I, I, on a community service program where I have to go to games with the Roosters fans. You know, so like punishment. Yeah, yes. And what I love when Latrell scores a try is they're out of their seats cheering and excited but also petrified that he's going to leave for the Rabbits. Yeah. Isn't it bizarre the Roosters they've they've got the wobbles of late because um, and here's the theory that they've been playing in front of big crowds. They went up to <laughs> Brisbane. Not at the SCG <laughs> No, no, no. Exactly right. So they went up to Brisbane. It was yeah. a cracking game yes. against the Broncos. 30 odd thousand. Anzac Day. Poor old the players were like, geez, it's loud in here. Mm. Yes, that's what crowds are. And then they went to Newcastle. The yeah. Knights Pack. dusted them and they said, geez, it's loud in here. Yeah. Yeah. This, is their, this is their kryptonite. Right. Crowds. Loud and noise. Noise. People. people. I, I, I genuinely hope that Luke Curie is fine because he's, he's yeah. having a bad run, but I have been making the, the remark that McDonald Jones Stadium is on report for the shot on Luke Curie's head, but that was one <laughs> hell of a head sling, wasn't it? Yeah, it was unbelievable. Poor old Luke Curie. Now, what about poor old James Graham? What about poor old Tyson Frizzell when he got his testicles hit? What about, come on, Chris? Yeah, I love... Where's your sympathy? I love James Graham saying to Mary, look, put me back out there. Sure, yeah. it's broken, but, you know, what more harm can I do? <laughs> but they, they wouldn't let him play. No, no. That's and, I still maintain that James Graham, who's, uh, like, one of the experts on the NRL 360, you know, he's one of the players, he is loved by the Australian Rugby League community. And people always go, why? And I say, they fell in love with him the moment he bit Billy Slater on the ear. Hmm. Absolutely. That was that was when Turning it all point. started. I thought yeah. we knew he was a maniac, and we were like, "Yes, welcome, <laughs> you're one of us." Now, Vonnie, once again, one of those little talking points. A turning point for you was Alfie Langer coming to your school. Oh yes, Can we hear that? yes, <laughs> unbelievable. I remember when Alfie Langer came to our school, and it was the greatest thing that's ever happened in my childhood. So I can't imagine what the childhood kids are thinking today.
best. It was it was unbelievable. So not only was Alfie Langer there, because I'd only ever seen him at the betting ring at Doombin when my grandfather had a racehorse going around. So I'd only seen him from a distance. Yes. And I was probably... And what a heroic image. Uh, it was amazing. Yeah. And he was there with, you know, Jean, Jean Miles. And, you know, it was... Yeah. Anyway, so Alfie comes to Stella Maris Primary School in Maroochydore on the Sunshine Coast. And not only was it the great Alan Langer, but we when I stood up, we were the same height. Of course. And I was about 10 years old. Yes, yes. But it was just phenomenal. Well, I've been trying to emulate that moment with Chris Gale. Of course, it's got about a foot and a half on Yes, that's right. <laughs> I was going to say, I was a bit concerned that that was the highlight of your childhood. It was obviously not that great a childhood. It, it was the best. Yeah, what was you, best. What, how, how are you going to beat Alfie? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Imagine if you got Wally together like the King and I. Oh. Didn't you used to love that was one of the great Royan HGs that uh, Alfie was yes. Deborah Carr? Deborah Carr. Yeah. Starting the King. And I, can, can I just ask, in your, like, you are 24-7 Rugby League, yes. the channel, and you are 24-7 on it. Yes. You I've share, got five minutes to my next show. I've got to go. Right. Yeah. You, you share two fantastic uh, programs apart from your anchoring duties on Super Saturday and Sunday Ticket, dot, dot, dot. You've got League Life, Hannah Hollis, Lara Pitt, and Jess Yates. And then you've got Big League Rap with James Hooper and Michael Ennis. Seems to be a bit of contrast between those two panels of uh, people, I would argue. Yes, well, I mean, it's the girls, we've all become really close friends. Um, We went out to a seminar, we go out to lunches, like, we are now the rugby league menace. Like, Mm. you know, look out, the girls are on the rip and tear. Can you say the same about the boys? uh... No, they're such nerds. Michael Mm. hardly ever drinks, James Mm. Hooper is always working. Um, So, no, it is the girls. Is he an irritant? Is he really an irritant still? Michael? No, yes, Michael, yes. Michael. Um, I call him Michael, yes. <laughs> Mick. Uh, no, he's not an irritant. He, he, I have to say, he's one of the best people I've ever had to work with. He, wow. He's so prepared. He's so meticulous. He writes all his notes. He's very OCD, yeah. so he will highlight things in different yeah. colours. Well, go back and say we're pretty good blokes as well, all right? Absolutely. I love you guys. things about Mick Ennis well, over the years, I'm sure. Well, particularly because they've now got a thing called the Matty Johns Podcast Show, where there's just basically people with headphones talking into mics on TV. I mean, it's got us excited. Yeah. It's, you know? it's the <laughs> way forward. It's we, what the fans want. We have a future. Hey, Chris, we've got to wrap this up. I know. It's yeah. really, uh, it's just such a pleasure to have a one. It was great to have Ian Darling on the show. Uh, it's great to know that Wayne Bennett speaks the truth. Yes, absolutely. I trust Sometimes. Wayne. Yes, yes. I expect to win, Chris. Expect to win, Yvonne. Oh, yes. Three up, three down. Queensland, three nil. Done, done, done. done. Back next week. See you. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> So tune in again next week when we invite a veritable breadline of nobodies and wannabes to flesh out another rip-snorting roundup of rugby league shenanigans, slander and smut right here at the home of radio's most fatuous footy confab. Fire!